Blog Talk Radio. for missing Friday's broadcast. It was suspended due to a family emergency. And I'd also like to wish you a very restful and productive Labor Day. When folks think of you and their interactions with you, are you perceived as a fountain or a babbling brook? Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 11 tells us that the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. And so as we listen to today's reading, I want you to think about how you perceive yourself as well as how others might perceive you. At our last reading, we learned that praise is one factor that converts our mouths to fountains of life. Although an incomplete list, the word of God, encouragement and comfort, and wisdom and justice are others. So we begin with the word of God, looking at how it might help us to be um, those who are considered fountains and not babbling brooks. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Carol says, I had lunch recently with a person who is new to Colorado Springs. Her depth of character is evident. As we talked of lessons of God and the, those that he is in the process of teaching us, I told her of several enigmas in my life. She listened, then said thoughtfully, Until recently, in a number of situations, I would think things like, well, if God doesn't provide the money for that couple to go to her sister's wedding, I'll give it to them. Then it struck me that I was thinking that I am kinder than God. I'd be nicer if I were in control. She drew my attention to Deuteronomy, the 
second chapter and verse 4. He is the rock. His works are perfect, and all his ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong, upright and just is he. Wow, that's a, that's a mouthful, and that's a headful. I'm going to read that verse again. He, God, is the rock. His works are perfect, and all his ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong, upright and just is he. Carol goes on to say, as I read that as I read this verse again and again, God worked in my life. I have been reading it something like this. Most of the time he is the rock. His works are usually perfect. And a great deal of the time his ways are right. A faithful God who when he chooses to get involved does no wrong. At such times, he is upright and just. No, he is always the rock. He is always in control. He is always faithful, involved, just, and always perfect. In sharing the word that afternoon, Jean hammered the final stroke to nail the lid down on a lesson God was fashioning for me. Jean had encouraged me through the word of God. And then, in terms of encouragement and comfort, I love Paul's reminder to the Thessalonians when he said, for you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. Even as I was writing those words, the doorbell rang, and I found the small daughter of a friend standing on the steps holding a plastic bag with four homemade cinnamon rolls in it. A couple of days before, my friend and I had taken her children to the zoo. A note was enclosed with the rose quoting her oldest son who said, The nice thing about Mrs. Mayhall is that she seems to be always smiling. After a morning cleaning the garage, going to the doctor, and doing piles of laundry, that note made my day. Encouragement came when it counted. How vital are words, yet how often we fail to encourage, comfort, and urge people to live lives worthy of God. I recently had the privilege of spending a day with a well-known author. As I observed her life, I realized that either she had a natural gift of encouragement or had developed and honed it through the years. After asking some insightful questions of a young mother with three small children, the woman said, Oh, you are so creative. 
imagine thinking of things like that to tell them. This from a woman who had written a book on training children. To a homemaker, she commented, what a tremendous idea. May I copy that from you? To a workshop leader, she enthused, I took five pages of notes in your workshop. Thank you for all that great material. Words of encouragement and praise came naturally to her. She wasn't putting it on. When I asked her if this encouragement was a gift or if she had developed it as a habit, she said both her father and her husband were natural encouragers and she probably just picked it up. Some of us need more help than others in developing the ability to be true encouragers. At one point in my life, I asked the creative God for some creative ideas as to how to be an encourager. For some weeks, I asked him to put someone on my heart to especially encourage that day. It was fascinating to see the various ones that he brought to my mind. There was the leader of our Bible study, the neighbor who was there in time of need, the accompanist at church, whoever writes the piano player a note of thanks or encouragement. If we compliment anyone at all, it is the soloist. One Thanksgiving, Jack received a long-distance phone call. The caller, a man said, in listing things and people for which I'm thankful, I realize that you probably didn't know that I came to Christ during a meeting at which you spoke many years ago. This Thanksgiving, I wanted to call you and thank you. What an encouragement that was. Are you praying about developing the habit of encouragement? Are you asking a creative God for creative ideas in order to do this? It may mean a separate prayer list for you. It may take a page in your do-list notebook. But if your desire is to encourage, God will give you the ideas and the ability to grow to be a comforter and an encourager. We will now look at wisdom and justice. The mouth of the righteous utters wisdom, and his or her tongue speaks what is just. How tremendous it would be if we process everything we said with a list of characteristics in James 3.17. Are our words pure? Are they gentle, peaceable, full of mercy and good fruit, unwavering and without hypocrisy? What a shining, joyful place this world would be if our words measured up to these attributes. This is a partial list of what should proceed from our mouth but perhaps it will give us a start in our thinking. We need to marry two concepts and never divorce them. Ephesians 4.15 refers to speaking the truth in love. 
And Proverbs 3, 3 says, Never forget to be truthful and kind. Hold these virtues tightly. Write them deep within your heart. Love or kindness and truth must be inseparable. Unfortunately, at times, we think we are being loving but by not speaking the truth. At other times, we speak the truth but are unloving as we do so. I wish I could place love and truth deep in my mind to filter every word I speak. Much would be left unsaid if these two concepts were the strainer used to purify my speech. The wisest king of all, Solomon, said it well. The words of the wise are like goads. Their collected sayings like firmly embedded nails given by one shepherd. Oh, that we will realize the power of our words, both for good and bad. The tongue has the power of life and death. If our tongues can be controlled, our mouths will be fountains of life. And we will be listening to. I'm going to ask you to take a moment to think back over all or at least some of your conversations this past week. And as you do, describe your speech in a word or in a phrase, and then decide if you believe that those conversations were fountains or brooks. Thank you so much for joining me today, and I wish you each grace and peace. Thank you.